0: Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones and the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. We are a VHS podcast that goes through the trailers, the box art, and everything behind the scenes. And at the end, we put something in our museum, just like Indy.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's all about VHS, and it's all about nostalgia.
0: And this week, we're covering one of the most nostalgic movies of the early 90s I can think of.
1: Yes, I mean, a a defining movie of the early 90s, for sure. And that movie is Super Mario Bros. Yes, 1993's mega-flop of Super Mario Bros. the movie.
0: Matt, did you play Super Mario Brothers as a kid?
1: No. I did not. I have no connection to the game whatsoever. I played it later, uh, a preteen, but as like a kid kid? No. I wasn't a gamer. I'm still not a gamer. But I'm familiar with the game subsequently, but my introduction to the series was this film.
0: Well, my three brothers and I were huge gamers, and we were Nintendo. We were a Nintendo family. So we had this. We were massive gamers. Uh, One, two, three, four, I mean all of them. I kind of quit when I got into the end of high school and college. But as a kid, whoo, ate this up. So we were huge fans going into this movie. So you not being a gamer and me being a gamer, this should be kind of interesting to see how we break it down.
1: Yeah. My introduction to this movie was just very simply. We had a black box cable box like a lot of families did in the early 90s. This came on pay-per-view, so it ran, you know, like all day long would just be this movie playing. And as a, probably when this came out, a four-year-old you know i was hooked and i watched it over and over and over again that was my introduction to the series was this movie
0: all right well let's blow through these details of this film it was released on may 28th 1993 in the u.s rated pg and had a runtime of 104 minutes our taglines were anything is possible you just gotta believe in it we had a bright clamorous extravaganza this Ain't No Game, It's a Live-Action Thrill Ride. And the last one, which the only one I knew about, was This Ain't No Game.
1: See, I knew about the live-action thrill ride because that's what's on the VHS cover, and we're going to talk about that for uh, when we get to the cover, but that's the one I saw so many times because this, this VHS was everywhere. It was on every shelf in 93. Oh,
0: The marketing in this film was so huge. You couldn't escape it. Yeah. Our directors here, Annabelle Jenkel, and Rocky Morton, co-creators and directors of Max Headroom. An AI host portrayed by Matt Furrier. Furrier? They also did a lot of music videos. A very interesting choice to direct a video game. Yes. Adaptation. I think
1: it was the perfect choice maybe not for the result they got but I can definitely see their forethought here. Why they (laughs) hired them. Max Headroom was revolutionary for special effects uh, for those type of special effects I should say uh, totally makes sense if I were producing stuff at the time and I saw their stuff and this was going to be like the first big video game movie I absolutely would have made the same choice to hire them
0: see I saw Max, Max Headroom, and I saw it as like this cool sci-fi kind of look and I never would have thought that it's for this bright vibrant video game I thought this was a bad match, especially considering the first script. We'll get more into that. See, I can't see it now. If I was going to make a post-apocalyptic movie, I think they would be awesome because they were so cynical in their humor.
1: I I think it is more just, for me, why I would have picked them. Is like just video games in general. This was more of an event of like, this is a video game movie, and there just really wasn't anything like that before. So, just like video games in general would have brought me to them. But yeah, like I guess the vibrant, bright, poppy world of uh, Super Mario Brothers doesn't quite fit with there. But just like the fact that
0: it was video games would have brought me to them, I think. Now we move on to the writers. I'm not even gonna go through all of them because behind the scenes we'll talk about it. So and there's a lot of writers. It's insane because this went through so many script changes. So we'll just move blast right through that and go to the cast. We had Bob Hoskins as Mario Mario, and you should know him as Who Framed Roger Rabbit and maybe Mermaids.
1: Yeah, or it's just Bob Hoskins, super famous. Awesome Hook.
0: We had oh yeah that's right. No, he wasn't Hook. He was Hook's uh, sister. Shmi or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. John Leguizamo as Luigi Mario, and I just put the movies our fans will know him from, Spawn, Voice of Sid from Ice Age, and um, of course he was in Land of the Dead, also. Playing
1: the same character,
0: along with... Uh, Dennis Hopper! <laughs> <laughs> Who was also playing the same character in that movie. Yeah, Dennis Hopper, and this one is King Koopa. And he I've got him marked down as Hoosiers, Speed, Waterworld, and of course... One of my personal favorite, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yes. Not one, two. (laughs) What a wonderful performance. Then we go down here, we had Samantha Mathis as Princess Peach. Or, I'm sorry, Princess Daisy. I wrote it down wrong. (laughs) And And she's from Little Women, Broken Arrow, American Psycho. A really good actress. And basically Miss 90s. Yeah. And now we have Fisher Stevens as Iggy. I wrote down The Burning, Short Circuit, and Hackers. Talk about Mr. 90s. Yeah. More
1: and more of a character actor, but God, he was in everything in the 90s.
0: We had Richard Edson as Spike, and everyone's going to know him as the parking attendant from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Do the Right Thing, if you ever saw that Spike Lee movie. We had Fiona Shaw as Leanna, uh, My Left Foot, The Story of Christy, and Harry Potter my Left Foot, isn't that the one with uh, the super actor in yeah, it? Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis, yeah. And she's a prominent writer now. And she was one hell of a Broadway actress and yeah. everything, like the stage she, I mean, actress. She's just all around.
2: Renaissance yes. woman.
0: We had featuring Mojo Nixon as Toad and Lance, Henderson, Lance Hendrickson as the king for a whopping, what, five seconds? Yeah, fun cameos so far, both of them. An odd cameo. That's why I really think they thought this was gonna be a sequel. I bet they put Lance Hendrickson in this. Like he's gonna be the king for the next one. Yeah, no, they probably thought they had a franchise in this. Oops. <laughs> and we move on. I only put this the music but it was by Alan Silvestri. I just thought he's that was amazing. Yeah. Because he's amazing. We and just we saw just, Ready Player One. Yeah, so I thought that was really funny. And if you don't know him, he's What's wrong with you? It's Back to the Future, Predator, The Avengers, Captain America. I mean, he's done... I can't even name them all. We had produced by Roland Jaffe. You might not know him, but he's incredibly talented and plays a huge role in this movie being made through Lighthouse and Disney. And they just came off an incredible movie called One False Move, which was co-written by Billy Bob Thornton and starring Bill Paxton. And it's incredible. It's incredible. That was considered one of the greatest movies of the 90s in this giant, like, independent list. Nice. I was looking for it. I had no idea, but that's what really what made Light Motive, which Roland Joffrey basically ran. Gotcha. This production studio. And this, of course, was distributed by Buena Vista. That's also Disney.
1: Yeah. Parent umbrella of Disney.
0: Yes. So, Matt, I'll move on and let you describe our two boxes
1: yeah, so let's take a look at the uh, first one, and then I'll talk about the differences on our screener tape that we also watched. Uh, but the classic original is the super fun uh, painted cover with uh, the two brothers standing in the M. They sort of look blue. The M is like a metallic light blue, and they have like the jumper boots on and their plumber tools, and they look fun, it, and it's, it's obviously painted and art looking. It's fun. I like it. And it says, it's a blast from the Washington Post. And it says Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Hopper get their name above the Super Mario Brothers title. The title treatment on here is the same that you see in the movie, which is actually kind of rare. Usually the tape has a different logo than you see at the beginning of the movie, but this is that metallic sort of as like the title comes slamming on the screen with like a clink sound. <laughs> that's that's what we get here on the front cover, and we get the tagline on the VHS tape: "This ain't no game; it's a live-action thrill ride." Which I mentioned earlier.
0: This is sort of the tape cover that we all saw as kids. This was the one that was like everywhere. I pretty much think this is the only cover there is for the DVDs, the Blu-rays. Yeah, this, just is one. The cover. this is the it.
1: cover. It's like all black with just like the the pops of the blue. On, here. on the side, uh, we get Mario in his classic garb with the red hat and the red jumpsuit, the title treatment, and the same title treatment on the top. But we took notice on the sides and the top that this was only, for Hollywood Pictures, only uh, 2008 as their number, for their mm-hmm. stock number of this, which is really actually kind of strange. You'd think it'd be way higher with a, a Disney-owned film studio. I would have well, thought this would have been in the 10,000s.
0: Maybe it's because I have the Canadian version.
1: <laughs> maybe, yeah. But this is only stock number 2008. thought that was weird. And then we get on the back here, eye-popping special effects from 60-second preview. Picture of Mario in his red suit running from an explosion. We get the Goombas the little dino- with their little dinosaur heads. We get King Koopa looking threatening with a gun and a walkie-talkie if that were uh, today it would just be two walkie talkies (laughs) (laughs) would have gone back and erased that and we get the Mario Brothers at the bottom with the the goopy guns that they have at the end of the movie and we get Samantha Mathis with Yoshi who is the most real looking dinosaur outside of Jurassic Park probably like that thing was fucking real Yoshi was real (laughs) I believe that thing
0: in fact it was so well done and so popular amongst the crew that it got more screen time.
1: It's great. It's, it's actually amazing. And the I mean,
0: people from Jurassic Park, who are currently working on their film at the time is this, actually came over, flew, and flew over to where this was being recorded just to see it. I mean, they went to North Carolina, where most of this was recorded, just to see an animatronic that was so incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Things unbelievable. I mean to take it a step further too like the goomba heads the little dinosaurs they're more comical but they're amazing i mean the way their eyes and mouths move they're alive they're great effects we'll get into that when we get in the movie but since they're covered on the back here i figured i'd mention it uh so here's your if you've never seen the movie and you're just aware of the game obviously you're aware of mario and pop culture but this is the description of the movie based on the back here buckle up and hang on tight The discovery of a parallel universe launches you into the adventure of a lifetime. Mario and Luigi, two wacky plumbers, undertake a daring quest to save Princess in Dino Hatton, a hidden world where the inhabitants evolved from dinosaurs. Mario, Bob Hoskins, who framed Roger Rabbit, and Luigi, John Leguizamo, regarding Henry, face deadly challenges from a diabolical lizard king, Dennis Hopper, Hoosiers must battle giant reptilian goombas outwit misfit thugs and undermine a sinister scheme to take over the world blast off for non-stop excitement with super mario brothers the live action thrill ride that dazzled moviegoers everywhere that's a lie that's i mean they dazzled probably the ones that saw it but it didn't make any money uh,
0: it lost money. <laughs> it
1: lost half of its money. <laughs> There's only three credited writers on here, but we know that there were more. That's just something I wanted to point out on the credits here. And then, yeah, you have uh, Copyright Allied uh, Filmmakers, which is
0: the Canadian outlet of these movies. So, Yeah, this is crazy. I wonder, because this, this was probably bought by my mother. How did she get the Canadian version?
1: I think they shipped them out with the u.s versions because they were the same we didn't have like any you know like how like the region coding on dvds and stuff they were region coded VHSs, but there was no region coding between canada and u.s so they're probably just cheaper to just be like nah, send them all everywhere Hmm. (laughs) yeah maybe right because i have so many canadian dvds that i didn't you know buy on purpose to have you know like they just they just ended up here somehow it's one of those weird things So if we take a look at the demo tape, which we also watched, the only thing it changes from the front is that it obviously is advertising that it's a screener. It says demo tape across the front and it's for video retailers only. But it does say on here, don't miss the unbelievable special effects featurette inside. The featurette, spoiler alert, we'll talk about it in a minute here, but uh, is not about the special effects. It's just uh, a general behind the scenes, I think. Uh, and it says the $20 million, action, $20 million action-packed hit, which is how much it made, but it cost $50 million to make. Um, watch the hit movie based on the world's most popular video game. Millions of Nintendo players can't wait to rent. Incredible star power. Bob Hoskins, John Lincuizamo, Dennis Hopper, and Fiona Shaw. I thought that
0: was odd that she was the fourth pick. Not Samantha Mathis yet. She hadn't blown up yet, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they wanted prestige because she was in my left foot. Maybe.
1: Although they say three men and a little lady as her
0: yeah, thing, which
1: is... Uh... <laughs> maybe she slept with someone. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe somebody wanted to sleep with her. But uh, exploding on the video soon. The same four pictures from the back are on the back of this one as well. But there's no description. And it once again on the back says screener for video retailers only so that that's the only difference is really not not huge differences on the sides here we get mario and luigi on the sides but on the regular release it's only mario and the painted versions are on the demo tape whereas it's a, a photograph of mario on the side of the regular release those are our only differences but uh that's those are
0: those are the two we watched i you know what I like these tapes. I like the design of these tapes. I thought everything was great about them for a movie that they were really trying to wow you with because they knew it struggled so mightily. I mean, it was terrible in theaters. I mean, it was probably out. I think this only lasted maybe three weeks in the theaters. I mean, it was competing with Jurassic Park and Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, this came out out before Jurassic Park.
1: Right, but it couldn't withstand it couldn't like yeah once jurassic bar came out just blew this away (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) now when we stick in these tapes the trailers on these bad boys were kind of interesting but first i want to go into the demo tape on this one unlike trimark which we've covered before with leprechaun and death wish disney does not beg you to buy this film
1: no, no, we, you, we pop this thing in and it goes right into the behind the scenes. Like, it's not, and it's not like, hey, retailers, you're going to need this. This is why you're going to want this. It's like, here's the behind the scenes. Here's what went into making this movie. Which is incredibly rare to find. The behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, pretty incredible. If you go into smbmovie.com, which is an amazing resource for this movie, a super fan made an entire website based on this. It's incredible. And they just actually put this up on YouTube not too long ago. So this demo tape must be very difficult to find.
1: Yeah, and it, like I said, just any behind-the-scenes. Just yeah. It's really hard to find any filmed behind-the-scenes on this movie. So this was really cool to see. It's only about, like, four minutes long. It's pretty short. But it was cool to see uh, they were talking to a couple of the writers, they were talking to a couple of producers, and they were talking to some of the actors. And just their... I think at this point they still had enthusiasm for the movie a little bit, where they thought this was gonna be something kinda of cool and kinda of weird. So it was it was fun to see that and it was fun to see the sets behind the scenes and they're huge. I mean you can tell in the movie, but they really were huge. Like you're in you step into this world. So the yeah, the effects and everything are incredible that they put together for this. And you see some behind the scenes makeup stuff and everything went into this. Animatronics, makeup, big sets, big props. Big costumes, like everything was huge, and you
0: can kind of get a scope of that in this really quick four-minute doc that's on here. Yeah, I mean they got a lot of people from some pretty big movies. I mean the art director and uh, art a lot of people from the art department in this also had movies like Blade Runner on their resume and uh, certain other Demolition Man, which that was in the future. But you know a lot of these movies that are big post-apocalyptic films. I, I mean, they went after the right resources for this type of script that right. they ended up settling on. So, and a lot of talented people, especially a lot of people coming off Terminator 2, I noticed. Yeah, the sets
1: were from Terminator 2. there was the same sets and everything that they, or at least the
0: warehouse that they built the sets in was the same. Could you imagine walking off the set with James Cameron and Terminator 2 and then you're like ah what's my next job ooh we're going to the Super Mario Brothers this is gonna my future's done I mean I'm gonna be able to get any movie in the world but but as much as this bomb
1: Terminator 2 was so popular that they all probably worked forever still yeah just going through the resume
0: oh that's pretty good oh I like your 80's resume here's pretty wow Terminator 2 and they probably just stopped talking (laughs) yeah and then they're like hired um (laughs) But anyway, yeah.
1: So we get we get through the documentary, and then we get some trailers. Uh, so the trailers on the demo tape are there's far more of those than there is in the regular. So we'll cover those first, and then we'll go to the regular tape. So we, it starts with a thirty second spot for Born Yesterday. Never heard of this movie. Never seen it. Me neither. Um, it had
2: John Goodman
0: in it. That's yeah. all I
1: know. Uh, John Goodman, Melanie Griffith, and Don Johnson, who were together. It looks like a fun movie. Would we'll watch it. it. Looks cute. Like a silly comedy.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I was laying around on a Sunday and it was on and I couldn't reach the remote... Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, looks cute. We follow that up with another 30-second spot for A Far-Off Place with Reese Witherspoon and Ethan Emery. I never saw this. I don't think I've seen it either, but I definitely remember it. Kind of a Forgotten Amblin title, too, you'd think, with the Spielberg name on there. That would have done more, but kind of missed this one. I would watch this one, too. Eh, I'd go back and nostalgia, I'd check it out.
0: Well, just because you know, the Spielberg kind of name yeah. surrounding it. It's I'm probably cute. Like, Why have I not heard of this? <laughs> that was followed up with
1: like a one minute spot for Life with Mikey, which I loved as a kid. So did I. I loved this movie. And I really want to go back and rewatch this one.
0: I hope we find this VHS.
1: Send it to us if you have it. Like I
2: really want to go back and rewatch we'll this We'll pay one. for the shipping. Yes. That's it though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah uh, this looks fun michael j fox just tearing it up with a little kid in hollywood looks super fun uh i don't remember any of it but i
0: know i loved it as a kid then we get a full trailer for strictly ballroom yeah and this looks like a really well shot independent film
1: yeah this was popular i remember actually people when i was in film school i still remember people talking about this one this one was popular amongst the the highfalutin film nerds. They really like this. I've never seen it. I probably never will. Like, it's fine. It looks it looks solid, like a solidly made movie. But dancing movies just aren't my forte. Yeah. <laughs> it's like reading. I just don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, unless we're reading about Super Mario Brothers, then I'll read. <laughs> Shh, <laughs> not the same. Then we get a trailer for Son-in-Law. Uh, a little 30 second spot, the Poly Shore movie where he's trying to win over the girlfriend's dad and everything goes wrong. I'm in emb-
0: typical Polly Shore fashion. I'm embarrassed how many times I've seen this
1: film. I saw this in theaters. <laughs> you win! I, I, I saw this in theaters when it came out. I was super excited. I was four the movie was marketed to me you know (laughs) it's it's a movie for children so you and
0: Polly shore had the same intellectual right it was the same
1: taste level so i was i loved it as a kid but i haven't seen it since so again send it to me i'll watch it again i'll check it out and then the last trailer was a full trailer for blood in blood out bound by honor with johnny cage benjamin bratt and uh some other recognizable character actors as well
0: I love how that actor is our Johnny Cage, which, stay tuned, two weeks from now, you'll be able to see the Mortal Kombat review.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll be talking a lot about him. This movie looks great. I want to see this one.
0: This one is something definitely right up my alley.
1: Yeah, this like just looks like a solid movie, solid 90s drama that I'll be like really into.
0: Too long of a title, but yeah. solid movie. Yeah. Uh, from J- the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I really want to see
1: this. And then, uh, so if we go over to the regular release tape, there's only one trailer on it, and it is the Hocus Pocus trailer.
0: And it made me want to watch it.
1: God, I love that movie. I can watch that movie like you're on repeat all the time. It's wonderful.
0: I actually sometimes listen to the song from that. Nice. Put Just a spell
1: on you. Just for funsies. Yeah, I'm like, uh, that's,
0: that's pathetic, but I love it.
1: Yeah, love that movie. It's adorable. It's like one of the essential Halloween movies. Yeah, It's not even a horror movie, <laughs> but it's like an essential Halloween watch. Yeah, 93, great year for fun stuff like that.
0: Now, before we dive right into this tape, put it in our VHS playa, I want to talk a little bit about the marketing. Now, you were probably too young, but I had the Nintendo Power. Mm. I remember movie. what it was, but I didn't have it, no. I It listed that this movie was coming out, and my younger brothers, identical twins, they're just uh, like 16 months younger than me, when we first got this in the mail and we flipped through it and saw that they were making this movie, I always remember that feeling of oh, Yeah. It's happening.
1: Yeah, I remember all that excitement when like the magazines would cover like the new Batman movie coming out or like uh, they'd be like this was announced, you know, like when you would have to find
0: out from magazines before the internet. I mean you <laughs> yourself when you see that. Like it was so exciting. Oh, it's before the internet age, like where you would see something and you, you felt like you might be the only person in the entire world that knows. Or like the even if you don't feel like the only person that knows, you kinda of feel like
1: you're the only one like super excited about it. You feel like it's yours, you know? Like, I I remember, like, when one of the the sci-fi magazines in, like, 93 or whatever announced that uh, Jim Carrey was going to be in Batman Forever. And I was like, oh, my God, this movie's going to be made for me. This is made for me. (laughs) Like, I just remember that excitement. Yeah, you feel like it's your own. When you read about it and it's not all over the Internet everywhere, you have, like, this,
0: like, ownership with it. (laughs) Isolation excitement. Yeah, it's great. I you, miss got it. To, you got you got to create it. your own world and then when you bumped into other people who actually knew about it their worlds collided with yours and you just like it was easy to communicate yeah so few people to communicate with about right. it right right it was incredible yes i miss that you internet <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to our show <laughs> on the internet <laughs> yeah, on the internet <laughs> um
1: i my, i guess my next question uh, that goes with the marketing if you saw these tapes though and never heard about Super Mario Brothers. Never heard about the game. Never heard about the movie. Never heard anything. And you like pick this tape up, and we're looking at the back. How fast would you snatch this
2: up? Immediately. <laughs>
1: it has dinosaurs but, in it. Yeah, exactly. You you win me over with the uh, animatronic dinosaurs and uh, Dennis Hopper just like in the most insane outfit ever. Like this movie is tailor made for exactly the kind of shit I liked then, and honestly now. Like, if I saw this movie now knowing nothing and just found this tape randomly in,
0: like, a bin somewhere, I'd be like, oh, my God, this is everything I love in this world. (laughs) Yeah. Because it literally has everything. It has, like, Mad Max, like, cars on the back. You've got, like you said, Dennis Miller with a gun, some kind of weird gun. You have giant, small, shrunken head, possibly, like, dinosaur people. Oh, literal dinosaur on the bottom of it. And then you have just two men with, like, super-scope guns from Super Nintendo. Yeah. And
1: I mean, two, two of the biggest actors of the 90s, honestly, like Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, like,
0: recognizable faces. Like, you'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it doesn't have a dance scene on the back, but it's got a dance scene in the movie. It literally covers everything. everything.
1: <laughs> everything. And the movie starts with animation. If you have animation, a dance or musical number, dinosaurs, animatronics, and, like, like, a cruel villain, you done. Done. You've done it. You've, you've unlocked the secrets
0: of movie universe. You've done it all. I like your movie. <laughs> well, the rest of the world didn't, but we're going to get into that right now when we stick this tape in.
2: From Hollywood Pictures, America's favorite game jumps to the ultimate level of excitement. No. With Mario, Luigi, no. the princess, no. Yoshi, and King Koopa, muster the Koombas.
0: Jump into the movie event of the summer with the Super Mario Brothers, rated PG. Starts Friday, May 28th at a theater near you. Well, we just got done watching it. I got my scotch here. Let's get ready to talk about this sh- sandwich. Man, I'll let you go first because you love it.
1: I love
0: this movie
1: it is literally a perfect 90s what the everything in the kitchen sink everything i love in movies this movie is amazing and for the naysayers i will tell you i will tell you what your problem with the movie is the reason you guys don't like the movie, the people that don't... This has this does have quite a cult following now, but the reason that it still has its haters are the people that are too hung up on the game. They wanted a direct adaptation of the game, and they didn't get that. So they got all pissed off and hated this, even though that this is a super creative, super unique, something that like basically audiences are asking for, but because it wasn't exactly a copy of the game, people got all pissed off for some reason. I have seen the show I've seen an episode of the cartoon TV show which is a direct adaptation of the game and is very much like the game and it is
2: garbage
1: <laughs> you wanted a direct adaptation of the the game it would have been a literal pile of horse wh- because i've seen the, an episode of that show and it is it's you know it's them jumping over mushrooms and like jumping down long tubes and things like that, like straight out of the game. And it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This movie is a blast.
0: Y'all hear that? That's me building the wall <laughs> <laughs> Cause we do not see eye to eye on this. I hate this film. You hate this film, okay. And and I'm not, I'm gonna tell you why. I did not want a direct adaptation. Even as a kid I knew that wasn't possible. What I wanted was a film about the Mario Brothers from someone who actually played the f***ing game at least once. No, I don't need it. Anything.
1: I don't need it. I actually love that it's people that don't know the game. And now (laughs) that I know
0: about this movie and these dip (laughs) directors, these arrogant f***s who literally just took this game and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make our own movie, the Mario Brothers. We'll just put their names in it. Yeah, that's what I love about this love it oh i like, know you love i like, knew you'd love it before like, we even got into this i, I, I love <laughs> no but i also
1: love the fact that these were creative visual directors who said we're gonna make money thinking they would make money we're gonna make money on this thing get F- might as well do our own thing and just call it mario brothers i love that choice because we got so many creative and unique choices when you
0: adapt a film you have to at least take into perspective the actual core fans that made it what it was. That's the problem with this: is like you, they clearly never played the game and/or watched someone play the game, yeah, or now, care
1: about the game at all.
0: At all. That's right. what. I, that's what I. They just took it <laughs> on this franchise, and it's on purpose. And when you find out, we'll talk to them in the, behind the scenes. They literally did not care about this franchise.
1: Yeah. And that's what I love about it. Like <laughs> Like who cares? Like you don't need you know, the game is the game, the movie's the movie. Like I don't think you need it. But... Go
0: go make your own Blade Runner with your
2: <laughs> own script
1: then No, I, I mean, but they wouldn't have gotten this kind of movie made if they didn't have some sort of property and name attached to it. It wouldn't happen. They wouldn't get fifty million dollars to make this movie.
0: Demolition Man got made.
1: Well that was made after this though i'm talking no, I'm just saying like, this. It, like
0: you can get these type everyone was doing a post apocalyptic movie during the 80s and 90s hell I, they're still
1: doing them i don't think you would have gotten to do a post-apocalyptic movie with dinosaurs <laughs> with dennis hopper and all the different the different kind of crazy design elements like the fungus that's everywhere the electric driven cars. All these like very specific things I just don't think that would have ever happened to have all of these elements, like everything in the kitchen sink like I mentioned before. All of these elements together if you didn't have some sort of marketable name to slap on it. And what I love that they chose to do was just slap the title that knew we we're going to get butts and seats. It didn't work, but they thought it might uh, and then just make their own movie anyway. I think it's I think it's awesome and
0: I, I love that Listen, it took balls. Yeah. I'm going to give you that. Yeah. I'm also going to give you there's no way you could probably get dinosaurs, Dennis Hopper, and a post-apocalyptic story that looked like Blade Runner in the same movie without Disney's money. Right, and that's what I love. Like, that's I, what I love. Fair, That I'll give you, but I hate these wankers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I so, love them.
0: Let's break this movie down. We start off with an incredibly odd 8-bit prologue that has Homer Simpson's voice overlaying it telling you the story now the reason this is in here and it feels so incredibly odd is because they added it after test screening of people said what the f- is going on
1: I always actually forget about this animated opening sequence I, I always sort of my brain always jumps in when we get into the live action I always forget about this it is it is oddly tacked on but again, this is sort of adding to my kitchen sink theory, like, this is a bit of animation that we get in here. So, like, now not only do we have this crazy live-action movie, but now we get this just super odd animated opening sequence. It's just
0: just a cherry
1: on top for me in this odd sandwich.
0: It is definitely odd. And it's the only time that we hear Mario Brothers' theme. Yes. At all. In I, this entire film.
1: Yes. I love Alan Silvestri's theme for this movie, though. It's, yeah
0: so catchy i love it but why the hell can't you update a theme and put it in the movie like your fans are coming to watch this film and you don't even have the decency to update the theme? They did their own theme. They did their own thing. That's what you I love. You can do about. your own thing and, and actually. Why
1: service? Why do the, the, the fan hand job? I don't need it. Why? Need it.
0: Because you lose money. <laughs> I mean,
1: it didn't work. Yeah, I, did. I see the experiment, but I again, I love the balls and just being like, no, we're going to do our own thing. I love it. <sighs>
0: But anyway, (laughs) so we have first, then we have the introduction of Mario and Luigi. We get Mario, who is just kind of a skeptical old man. He's seen some (laughs) and he really loves his plumbing. Yeah. And then we get the Dreamer and John Leguizamo playing Luigi. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Do you like them as Mario and Luigi? Yes, I do. We have something we agree on.
1: (laughs) I love the casting. Uh, I also think it's a fun (laughs) casting to get, like a Brit and a Hispanic guy to play two Italians. Yeah, I think a, it's really just awesome.
0: A Puerto Rican literally from Brooklyn. Yeah. Playing an Italian Puerto, plumber. Yeah, an Italian plumber. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love the casting. And honestly, their chemistry is infectious. They they you could tell they like actually get along. They their characters are very paint by numbers, but their actual human
0: chemistry is great yes i really think that these the reason their chemistry is so great is because these two are walking through this chaos around them in the production yeah and they just became best friends yeah which is just
1: so like palpable. but i also think this is this is one of the the script things that i think comes through and i think this is ed solomon because he was brought on very late in the game to sort of polish it up and sort of finish this script and he had just come off of the bill and ted movies I think that their chemistry and the duo, the funny duo thing that they have together, is comes from him. It has to be. Because it, it is very Bill and Ted-like. It's, it's kind of simple childish, but like, infectiously likable characters. The
0: original Luigi is a Dreamer and Mario is kind of like a skeptical, harder man came from the original scripts. But you might be right, the way they interact right. may have came from him. Because right. What in, came
1: through on set is, I think, what, what Ed Solomon brought to this. Ed
0: Solomon's also worked on a ton of other scripts we'll never know about. Because right. he is a he's notorious a doctor. doctor. And he has worked from what I, I hope he comes out with a book. Yeah. That man's seen some stuff. If you don't know about this writer, this screenwriter, go look him up.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he came to be because him and uh, Chris Matheson, the other writer of Bill and Ted, were basically Bill and Ted, and I was like, what if we wrote a movie about us, man? And then they did, and it worked. And then like Ed Solomon kind of went on to do a lot of duo movies because he did Men in Black, like which is another incredible like duo movie.
0: Yeah, he's really good at taking two characters from opposite ends, combining them, and making it work right it's he's sort of like the childlike glee to the opposition of
1: like a shane black who does the duo thing but that's dark and usually they're both sad and up and like they end up getting along in the end anyway over christmas but like yeah. ed solomon is like the gleeful kid more version of that as opposed to like you know rough lives and they hate each other and everything sucks like ed solomon's you've, take on that is usually like
0: everything's fun.
1: Everybody gets along.
0: <laughs> so, then we get the introduction to Daisy. And I I got to say I think she does Samantha Manthus also does a really good job. I think the cast really keeps it all together
1: because everybody's so into it despite, you know, the behind the scenes problems. Everybody's having a blast it looks like. And it's because they're all I read today it's because they're all stoned, the whole movie. And drunk. Well, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo were just drinking whiskey throughout, but, like, mm. also the entire cast was just getting stoned in this beach house where they all were staying, and then they would just show up, like, super baked, and were like, all right,
0: let's do this, man. <laughs> I think that also I would comes smoke through. F-ing dope through this whole thing, too. Oh,
1: yeah. And they were just partying. They were making so much money, too. They were just, like, just sitting on money. They were... Rolling in it, Disney was throwing money at them.
0: So yeah, re- so, so get this. I mean, we're going to say this mostly from behind the scenes. Did you know Disney originally is the one who saved this? They're the ones who came in. They yeah. weren't originally part of this at all. It was just Roland. Yes. Samantha's company. Yeah.
1: That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, they threw a bunch of money at it. So,
0: <laughs> but
1: yeah. So we we immediately anyway. like yeah. we immediately yeah. like Samantha Mathis. And we get a we get a one version of a Trumpian character who is trying to shut down the dig site that Samantha Mathis is You're working. you are talking on. about the Scapelli brothers. Yeah. The mafia mafioso types that want to shut down the dig so they could build condos. Which
0: leads to one of my first that pissed me off, even as a kid. When they show up Luigi and Mario show up to this job and they're like, Damn it, the Scapelli brothers beat us again and then they just like the, sin, the scene ends, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You don't just let the Scapelli brothers take that. You <laughs> march your a- there and get that job! They called you! And then I realized later on that they cut the scene where they confronted the Scapelli... S- oh, God, I can't talk. Scapelli brothers? Scapelli brothers about the actual dishwasher, and they cut that whole thing because they're like, uh, we gotta actually get to this movie, and we spent way too much time. Now, apparently, they cut around 15 to 20 minutes of them before they even reach Dino Hatton. That's awesome. And you can tell. We're going to we're going to see those scenes cuz uh, the second sight
1: blu-ray that they're working on right now is going to have deleted scenes on it, which I'm pretty pumped to see cuz nobody's well, yeah. seen these yet. So, I'm pretty pretty pumped to see what these are going to be. But I mean, yeah, it it just you don't need it. I, I, I'm fine with it. Like you, they lost the job. It's it's almost very childlike. Like kids don't understand how work works. So they're like they're just like oh they lost the job. What jerks, you know? And you immediately dislike these guys. Except
0: like ten year old Steve. I, I remember specifically being like they didn't even try to go get the job.
1: <laughs> Where's their gumption?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now as an adult, the next scene is what got me because when Daisy is sitting there digging for dinosaur bones, I was like wait. You're digging for dinosaur bones under the Brooklyn Bridge?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Brooklyn was the site of the meteor landing that killed the dinosaurs, apparently.
0: Now, so, I'll accept this in this movie. This is a part of it where I'm like, yeah, plot, whatever, I got it. But, like, as an adult, I'm like, really, Brooklyn? Yeah, it's almost like
1: this is that kitchen sink theory again. They threw everything at you. They're like, oh, the movie's set in Brooklyn?
0: Well, that's the place where the meteor landed. They killed them all. Like, they didn't need to do that, but they did it anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to nitpick the script, <laughs> but, like, I was watching it, and I hadn't seen this in many, many years. I laughed about it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, so insane. And then they complained about not having money and missing three months' rent, and then they're in an expensive dinner.
1: Yeah, they took the girls out to dinner, because, obviously, the dreamer, Luigi, wants to... Hook up with the with the princess because she's you know a do gooder and she's she's trying to you know for science find these dinosaurs. Oh,
0: but, she's hot. Well, and That's she's hot. And she's hot. Um, he saw her for two seconds. Yeah, he exactly. just wants to chop her bones.
1: Um, but you know the childlike aspect of him. He's like, oh, you're like me. You know, and you're pretty. What? Um, and
0: he's adorable too. Like when he's acting. Oh yeah, like yeah. He's child- so fun. I to mean, watch. he's so good. He's so fun to watch. Uh, Leguizamo is amazing.
1: One of, actually I'll say it one of the best actors that we don't appreciate enough like he's he's not just like a fun actor like doing fun movies
0: this dude is a great actor yeah I think he always gets just the shaft mm-hmm. and I don't get why he's an amazing dude he seems like a really
1: good dude in real life and he just uh, is a great actor and we don't appreciate him enough. Hollywood, put him in more movies. We need more was in our life. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, he's so infectious and fun to watch. They start to develop a relationship. We get back to the site, and we find out that the dig site is also the portal to Dino Hatton, which is the alternate dimension in which dinosaurs have evolved into humans, and it is a post-apocalyptic wasteland because the King Koopa, who is uh, played by Dennis Hopper really
0: calling to mind uh, a Donald Trump type character. <laughs> Very much so. I know we see Donald Trump everywhere now, so we compare all these over the top villains to Donald Trump, but I'm telling you what. No, he like This is literally this, Donald Trump. Yes. <laughs> like, this is not just us not liking the Donald shitty Trump. shitty hair. Yes. He doesn't like germs, which, by the way, if you don't know this about Donald Trump, he hates germs right it's real look it up
1: he's like a like a weird like a howie mandel germaphobe like yeah yeah.
0: and then we have literally koopa stays in a tower called koopa tower
1: yeah no it's like on purpose it's on purpose and it's in new york yeah it's all it's all
0: during the mid 90s the early mid 90s he was a running gag he was a joke yeah he didn't come back into like the celebrity fold until celebrity apprentice yeah people forgot about him because he ran his companies into the ground he was broke in the mid-90s yeah and like characters like this
1: of course popped up yeah and dennis hopper being a staunch staunch republican probably wanted to do this because Trump was kind of thought of as like the liberal idiot at the time. Yes, I believe you're right. So, like, he probably jumped at it because he was like, I get to make fun of Trump, this, like, you know, Demo- votes Democrat, you know, idiot with money. Like, this is going to be so fun for me a- as a staunch Republican. I so. actually
0: remember Dennis Miller. I saw him in a stand up in the early 2000s. Uh, this was right when I started college. And Dennis Miller, which I did not know at the time, was a Republican. Mm. And he was doing a bunch of conservative jokes. And I was kind of looking around like, oh, all right, well. I mean, he was funny. Mm-hmm. He, he was annoying funny, but yeah. he was very charismatic. Yeah, no, I mean, he's very watchable, even yes. though, like, I don't agree well, with him. Even, even right now, I don't agree with him, but he's very watchable. Yeah. And I give him that. But he was sitting there, he was literally making fun of Donald Trump. Right. For right. being a stoner liberal. Yeah. Which I thought, wouldn't he do cocaine? I oh that's my thought of Dennis Miller. Yeah. Is when he was like he's just a stoner liberal and I was like, wait a minute, he's rich, wouldn't he do cocaine? Yeah. No. That's I mean, it. That's all I got. Well, no, no, like all the
1: all the jokes like all the, you know, conservative humorists think all drugs are the same. <laughs> so Stoner could be Coke, Maybe, too. Uh, I,
0: <laughs> but anyway. I, I assume they all do cocaine, because they've just got so much money, why not yeah, do the rich man's probably, drug? Probably. If I'm going to do a drug, I'm going to do the rich man's <laughs> right. drug. The white drug. Oh. <laughs>
1: Anywho. Yeah, so he's playing a caricature of Donald Trump, and not in our way of like hating on Donald Trump like I do every week, but just like <laughs> uh, uh, in in almost like a different sense in almost like a very literal 90s pop culture icon Donald Trump spoof version so it's, re- it's actually really fun to watch Dennis Hopper do this yeah, especially yeah. now with how things have turned
0: out and the way King Koopa is running Dino Hatton it's pretty fun all right here's another problem I have with the film especially as a kid why the hell is he called King Koopa just call him Bowser in the games he's called Bowser King of the Koopas these jack- Which people fought them on set about this. Like, he's not Koopa. His name is Bra- his name is Bowser. And they're just like, nah, King Koopa sounds good.
1: I think King- I, I'm glad he's not Bowser. Bowser would be like, King Koopa sounds more threatening and evil. Bowser sounds like a little kid. I'm glad they went with King Koopa. Just because, yeah, Bowser doesn't Couldn't sound Couldn't you at least say
0: at his name is Bowser- but he goes as King Koopa. Could be a cutscene. And then I mean, later I've on, then later <laughs> on, he he orders pizza. Which, by the way, there's a running gag in this. Like, where's my pizza? I really think that kind of seems like Dennis Hopper just put that in there, like yeah. mocking everyone. He's yeah. like, why do you keep saying this? Like, uh, I want I want a scene where I'm ordering pizza. Then he calls himself Larry Lizard, which is actually a cousin or like one of the nephews of Bowser. Oh, anyway, see, as not a gamer, didn't even like catch that. Didn't even matter. Didn't
1: care. <laughs> um, they're f-ing trolling me. But uh, yeah, we get this is our introduction to the Dino Land, and I mean, like I've been saying before, these sets are absolutely incredible. These set pieces, the things we see, uh, everything is tactile. Everything's there. I mean, this is there. This this was a definite usherer of the CG movement, but almost everything in this movie is still practical. They did a lot of CG stuff, but almost everything, the sets, the character work, the props, it's all its all tangible. It's all there.
0: Yeah, the special effects in this was the like wipe away particle effects where they're just like breaking apart. Yeah. So, you know, these special effects never got on my nerves, even back then. It just kind of still looked cool. I mean, obviously they don't hold up, but they're still not terrible. Like it well, didn't
1: make me grimace. The they took a chance, and this was the directors. They took a chance on this software uh, to do. It was still in beta form to do these special effects, and what it became is the uh, software that most movies use today still. Yeah, I so mean, it be, it, they knew, they knew going in that this was gonna be something. Uh, and they took a chance on the beta of what has become the standard now for movies today.
0: Yeah, that's probably why it didn't make me grimace. I actually watched this and I'm like, well, that looks... that. Yeah, okay, they're fading away. I get it.
1: Yeah, and we early on when we see uh, Toad uh, get turned into a uh, Goomba... There is a morphing effect, and you guys know I love morphing effects. <laughs> Big fan of morphing effects. And it does look like very max headroom. And it's it's pretty cool, actually. I like it. it again, it does like, doesn't hold up in the the sense of like, you know, CG today versus then, but it, it holds up in like it fits with the movie, at least. You know, it doesn't take you out of the movie like, oh whoa, what am I looking at here? So I I uh, I like that. I like that effect in in there.
0: All right, we got another beef on the Steve's list of I hate this movie. Uh, Toad is a protester who is singing a song and he gets arrested. You know, he's singing about King Koopa being dead, <laughs> Which, by the way, you can go online and find the entire lyrics to that song. Uh, they cut it down to like seven seconds in this movie, <laughs> but that was like a two and a half minute song. Nice. So, Toad was a little mushroom man who was hot-headed in the cartoon, and that pretty much became his you know, persona afterwards. Everything like that. But they make him a protester in this. And, like, a lazy protester. I I don't get it. Again, that's part of, like, who the who did anyone play the game who was writing these? No.
1: No. Ugh. <laughs> they were just like, oh, there's a character named Toad that everybody likes? Well, this guy
0: will be Toad. This would be, like, and me that- grabbing Tomb Raider and saying, like, yeah, sure, I'll make a movie about it. And instead of being about... You know uh, a female strong and you know a, f- a strong female treasure hunter that goes on amazing adventures. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make her a chef and she's gonna run an entire kitchen but that's not the game f- the game. <laughs> hey, but as long as you bring other fantastical elements and utilize
1: that brand that you're got, it's fine by she's me. She's gonna have a rat in her hat.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's fine by me. Uh, yeah this is our this is our toad and we, we do get introduced to Yoshi. Pretty soon after that, when the princess is captured, whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: you're skipping the police station.
1: Well, I'm just I'm covering the characters that we, like the the main all characters right. that come oh, okay. in here. All right, all right. Uh, we, once the princess gets captured by King Koopa, we meet Yoshi, uh, and I mentioned before, it's like the most incredible animatronic effect outside of Jurassic Park.
0: This was an entire movable animatronic. They softened up some of the features on this little dinosaur, this little raptor, I guess, but. Mm. It moved around very lifelike. It was incredible. I mean, I get it. I understand why the Jurassic Park people flew all the way down to South Carolina just to see it. (laughs) Back to the police station. So a lot of people, I like this whole police station. But a lot of people have a problem with this with Mario's last name being Mario and Luigi's last name being Mario. But I tell you, fans, this is where you're wrong. The movie's called Super Mario Brothers.
2: Last name Mario. Okay, what's your name? Luigi.
0: Luigi, Luigi?
2: No, Luigi Mario. Okay, look, how many Mario are there between the two of you?
1: There's three Mario, Mario, and Luigi Mario. It's almost like a self aware jab type thing. Like it's like we called the game Super Mario Brothers, but we named him Mario. So what would his name be? Mario Mario? <laughs> yeah, I mean the
0: only reason it's called the Super Mario Brothers is apparently Miyamoto, the designer of this game, was in an apartment and the renter, the owner's name was Mario because originally he called Mario video game man because yeah. he was in um, I remember that. So th- that's it and then he's just like, I'm gonna call him Mario. And then they're like, well, what are we going to call the game? There's two brothers. I don't know. Super Mario Brothers. It's not complicated. Yeah. But I love how they... This was creative. I don't know yeah. who wrote this, but I like it. And I don't understand why some fans complained about it. But the ce- this scene, I don't even pay attention to that because there's so much shit going on in this police station. But the part I can't take my eyes off of is there is a woman in a stiletto massaging the cop's neck yeah. while he asks me these questions yeah. and my whole time I'm like, Why is this happening?
1: It's just this little shit like this is just shit I love in movies. Like it's just why? But it's like them taking every shot and being like, What weird shit can we put in this shot? Like, yeah. <laughs> like every not every scene, every shot has something weird going on in it where they're just like, What's gonna be odd here? And they just like we're like, we're gonna have him we're gonna have the foot massage this like kind of famous comedic character actor
0: but i went back and rewatched max headroom which by the way that holds up i but grew up on it. That. that type of schizophrenic comedy where he's talking about one subject and then immediately goes to another this makes sense from these directors yeah i mean they this is what they do they almost want to be terry gilliam terry gilliam they're they're cyberpunk
1: terry gilliam that's their thing Oh, man, that's perfect. And that's why I like them.
0: (laughs) That's what they do. (laughs) So then they get introduced to King Koopa, which doesn't pretend to be him, and then they find out it is him. But, man, Dennis Hopper is so good at chewing the scenery. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: for people that supposedly hated working on this movie, they gave it all 100%. Well, Dennis
0: Hopper never, never lets me down. Yeah, chewing
1: scenery left and right. And this is a fun scene because this is where we get introduced to the germ thing. This is where we see that he's like...
0: Oh, yeah, they're like spraying his hands. Yeah, they're
1: emptying an aerosol can on his hands. It's so funny.
0: (laughs) You know what I love about mud? It's clean and dirty all at the same time. (laughs) And
1: such a dumb and bad line sold 100%. By this fantastic actor that we lost too soon. <laughs>
0: oh man, I, uh, I love I loved it as hopper. Yeah, same. How could you not? I don't know if he ever gives a bad performance. Yeah, he never half-assed
1: anything. Never. No. ever. And he hated this movie.
0: Yeah, and he still
1: was chewing like you could. He's almost licking his lips after he's <laughs> cute the scenery. And it's so fun to watch.
0: In some of the scenes, he hisses his S's. Yeah. And in other ones, he holds his hands up.
1: Like a dinosaur. Like a,
0: like a T-Rex. Yeah. And I'm like, is he trolling the directors here? Or is
1: he brilliant? And I think I... it's both. I think it's
0: both. <laughs> because he doesn't keep it up throughout the film. He chooses, every once in a while, he takes a scene and he goes, I'm going to do whatever the f <laughs> I I want in this. <laughs> absolutely we find that king koopa needs this meteorite to connect the two worlds that's basically the macguffin in this film
1: yes and the princess uh we see in a flashback early on when she hatches from an egg she gets the little piece or whatever so she's wearing it. it's the only reason they capture the princess is because they need this meteorite piece to bridge the gap between the two parallel worlds, the dino world and the regular world, so that King Koopa could then take over the world.
0: Yeah, and the two men, or dino men, dino humanoids, whatever, that's trying to capture these Brooklyn babes and finally gets Daisy, is Iggy and Spike.
1: Yes, Fisher Stevens and that character actor whose name I can never remember, who's wonderful, but I can never remember his <laughs> so what's your thought on these two characters? I like them because they're fun to look at and they're giving it their all in their performance. But I don't think the humor is for me.
0: I think it's for babies. But I like watching them. They're fun to this watch. This is, again, part of the tonal problems I have on this film. These two are in a different movie that just happened to be on this set.
1: Yeah, and the reason is because they improvised all of their dialogue.
0: Yeah, and they're constantly trying to one up each other. Mm-hmm. Fisher Stevens is a known incredibly competitive actor.
1: Yeah, Yo, yeah, they got they got super stoned. They were the they were the two that started the getting stoned thing. Whereas Hoskins and Licozamo were the ones that were getting drunk. These two were like, let's get high and then hang out, like and then they improvise all our dialogue. So they're they're fun.
0: So let's skip to the. Infamous nightclub scene. Yes. Big Bertha. We haven't talked about yet. Yeah. But this actress, by the way, she's in quite a bit in the '90s too. Yeah. So she is representing the giant red fish. Yes. That was in Super Mario Brothers Three that would swallow you from the bottom. Right. This is the part where I'm like, okay, I get this. Obviously, you can't have a giant red fish. Maybe you could in an animated film, but not this one. So I, I didn't mind this character. I've heard people say that they didn't like this character. I think you're wrong. I think they did what they could with it So she gets the rock and then Mario has to sweet talk and dance yeah. Big Bertha around she falls in love with Mario and then he almost gets the rock Almost
1: I, I I love their relationship in this movie because it goes from like like her being like the tough character to like him like trying to seduce her. To after that, like, then they just mutually just, like, become, like, friends and allies then. And I love the development of this relationship. And this is something I wonder if this came from Ed Solomon, too, because it's almost too smart to go along with, like, the other stuff. Yeah, I, I, re- I love the trajectory of their relationship. And just her small part as a character is so memorable because of this.
0: I actually like these two acting together. You can clearly tell both of these. You know, obviously Bob Hoskins has acting chops, but so did she. Mm-hmm. And at least she had great camera presence. Yeah, she's great. And when they're dancing and everything like that. But what is distracting is I was looking at the women in the actual audience, and I'm like, damn, these girls barely have anything on. Yeah. And then I found out that most of these girls were strippers that were hired by the, you know, whoever to come fill this dance scene. Oh, man. Again, this is part of, like, who are you selling this to? Yeah,
1: and this is part of the reason I love this movie, too. It's just, like, who's going to be dancing in the nightclub scene? Strippers.
0: All strippers. (laughs) What a choice. Did you read about the Iggy and Spike rap? No. That was cut out of this? No. The reason it was cut out of it is, and you can see these screenshots online. Go ahead and Google them. Pause. Okay, I hope you Googled it. And uh, as you can see, that actress is barely wearing anything, and they cut it because they're like, this is not appropriate. <laughs> now, clearly, this was the vanilla ice scene yeah, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. I don't know when that movie came out, but I think it was the year before. Yeah. 92, I want to say. So clearly, they were trying to do that. Yeah. And Fisher Stevens was pumped about this. He wanted to actually take these two characters and create their own show or well, movie.
1: They're they're the after-the-credits scene. They're the Marvel uh, <laughs> leading into the sequel. I'm doing air quotes because it never happened, but yeah. it's them.
0: Super Koopa brothers? Yeah. By the way, stay after the credits for this. Finally, Iggy and Spike get... Smart. Smart. They have this de-evolution chair that basically turns everyone into... Goombas. Yeah. Which are not mushroom men, but in this they are shrunken head dinosaurs. And
1: adorable dinosaurs. At that
0: Really good animatronics. Yes. And
1: I, when Toad gets turned into one and he has a little harmonica, I, I just, I think it's the cutest thing I've ever seen.
2: <laughs>
0: Did you notice the clear cut scene there? Because after they escape, you know, the, they try to do it to the Mario Brothers, they escape, and I think Bowser or one of the guards slips in goo. Well, apparently there was a scene where they turned one of them into slime because mm-hmm. if you left the devolve laser on long enough, you would turn into prehistoric goo.
1: Right, which is what happens to Koopa at the end of yes. the movie when they they hit him with the devolution gun because they also have a gun yeah. that devolves and he turns into the primordial slime.
0: Now, clearly this scene was shot because someone slipped in slime. Now, I I would originally think that this was cut because maybe they thought it was too extreme for little kids. Maybe it was because the movie was going long. I I don't know. Or they just wanted to save it for the end. But no one can find the actual footage of it. I'm wondering if it's going to be on that Blu-ray that's coming out. Hopefully. Maybe they ran out of money for the actual effects. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? We don't know. All four of them somehow get into the desert, which the only reason the rest of this world is desert is because the directors wanted it to be like a trash world. Mm -hmm. But someone on set suggested... Why don't we make it a desert world? It's actually in the game.
1: I wish it was a trash
0: world, <laughs> like Wally. Yeah,
1: ah, love Wally. It's a great movie. I like then when the Spike and whatever his name is uh, become buddies. Iggy, Iggy and Spike. Iggy and Spike. They become buddies then with uh, Mario Brothers, and they're gonna help them yeah. defeat Koopa. And like I said, they turn. Eventually, they just turn Koopa into the primordial slime and
0: save the princess. What did you think of the elevator scene? The elevator scene. Where they make the Goombas dance to the elevator music?
1: One of my favorite things
0: just ever in this world. So funny to me. It kills the pacing of the film, but if I just take that clip out of this movie... Yeah, I dig it, too, because I just, it's
1: so weird. It's, yeah, that's what I love about that scene. It's just like, wait, there's music. They'll dance. And then they make them dance. And the scene goes on for, like, three or four
0: minutes. No, it's way too long for the film. And I'm like, but I love this so much. Do you think they just did this? maybe they were supposed to be riding in the elevator and John Leguizamo started to sway one of the, like, Goombas and they are like, hey, wait, go
1: with that. And maybe, and then I bet it tested well because I think most people like this scene. Leave it in. It's the one thing everybody likes. (laughs) And the editor's like,
0: no, it is killing the pacing. (laughs) And they're like, f*** you, editor.
1: (laughs) It takes until the end they withhold the costumes, the traditional green and red I love withholding. I'm a big fan of it. It's really it's because it's so satisfying when you get it. So I'm glad that they withheld, and then we finally get them oh, the in their suits, costumes for yeah. the
2: end.
0: Uh, so the it. directors didn't want that.
1: They didn't want the suits this, at
0: all? This was a uh, compromise between the producers that finally came in, and they're like, you have to put them <laughs> in, the in suits. their suits. And they're like, no, no, we're just going to have them in the blue suits, which are on the cover, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> they're like no so finally they compromised and it actually works out well i agree too because they held it back when they get in those suits i remember going it's like yes cheer
1: moment. yeah it's, it's a, you gotta love the cheer moment i'm a big fan of withholding i think uh any movie that does that well it's really fun to watch i like the jumping boots too yeah the jumping boots
0: and the ba is awesome oh yeah by the way it's bob um Bob. gotcha you non-gaming and son of a bitch. Not a gamer. Love the movie, though.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, one of the holdovers that's pretty similar to the game, though. I like the ba-bomb. B- one of the things we didn't touch upon, but is uh, one of the things I also really like about this movie, is the fungus that's everywhere, that's spread by the king, who uh, Koopa didn't kill, but basically turned him into a mushroom man. And in doing so, the king trying to fight back was he spread this fungus all over the city. And the fungus is helping the Mario Brothers, which, you know, you get the mushrooms then, you get the ba-bomb. It has the
0: little ties to the game or whatever. This part of the script was definitely, at the very end, added on. But I I like the fungus. Well, you can tell. that It ties everything together. Yeah. It makes sense.
1: Well, one of the things, too, I guess, overall, I wanted to mention, just talking about the movie, is with how many problems I know they had... And with you know how I guess hated this movie is, how cohesive everything still kind of is, how they pulled it all together, I have no idea. But it works. It's a cohesive story. It has a start to finish. It has a goal. You have the villain. You have it, you have all the pieces in place. Somehow they made it work. Now people don't necessarily like it, but for some reason they were able to kind of pull this thing together.
0: I can't remember. That's because the editor who was brought in on this is a genius. Oh, it's Mark Goldblatt. He's well, yeah, the editor. Yes, yeah. It's the editor. It's um, the Hollywood editor. But he's he's amazing, and he had to come with Disney's money. Yeah, I mean,
1: he he anything. if you've seen a movie in the late 80s, early 90s that was a big movie, Mark Oblatt either edited it or came in and finished the edit on that movie. He was yes. the guy. He was the editor of the 90s
0: the guy just does things that other people can
1: yeah and it's funny because he was just coming off of his first directorial gig which was the Punisher which had the same thing happen to him kind of where the movie got kind of away from him and there were several edits and things like that and I wonder if coming off of that made him learn more and he's like I can pull this together I know what to do to fix this <laughs> I've done this now already I've directed a feature that
0: kind of fell apart I can do this. I didn't know he directed The Punisher. Yeah, the Dolph Lundgren one? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, getting back into the story of this, Koopa almost gets the stone, but Leanna, which we haven't talked about much, which wears the most uncomfortable dresses in this film, but I got to admit, when she comes in with the one dress with all the lines and everything on it, I was just like, Steven's getting a funny feeling. Uh oh. Uh oh. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. That dress is hot. Yeah, she uh, is quintessentially early 90s. She is the
1: human embodiment of the opening credits of Saved by the Bell. <laughs>
0: Wow,
2: <laughs>
0: were you just <laughs> were you in your car like a boring car ride, and you're like, I'm gonna define this woman, and I know how to. No, do it.
1: I, that's the first thing that came to <laughs> mind when I saw her. I was like, she is the human embodiment of the opening credits of Safe. By the Perfect. Well, the <laughs>
0: big dabs Yoshi, which shocked me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and way to make way to make your villain a villain.
2: Wow, like, good
1: job. Because like you fall in love with this real dinosaur and she stabs him and you're like no no you crossed the line girl yeah, you crossed the
0: line i know but like at first when i saw her in that dress i was like whoa whoa and then she stabbed yoshi and i go you have gone too far lena
1: <laughs> yeah uh, no one stabs yoshi this is this is something that kind of comes through well in the script is she is so evil and she's bad but she is bad because she is not getting the attention or, like, the recognition from Koopa of how much she's putting into this. And so that, like, leads her to being so evil because she's just trying to get recognized by him and he just won't. He just doesn't want something to do with her.
0: So is she, I mean, King Koopa's lover? I think she wants to be. I think she's yeah. just
1: his assistant, but she wants to be, like, the lover.
0: or yeah. Or just, like, second in
1: command or whatever. But, like, to him, she's just an assistant.
0: So, Bowser gets a creepy old man crush on Daisy, mm-hmm. which I was getting rape vibes in this, and I was, like, not feeling comfortable. Yeah, I was yeah. like, He's, uh, what
1: is well, this? Well, he does the dinosaur tongue thing where, like, the lizard tongue comes out at yeah. one point. But well, he, gets, he gets de-evolutionized for a second, and that's why that starts to come through. Also leads to when he gets de-evolutionized... Like a very amazing like morph thing as he's going back and forth between like human and dinosaur and lizard and whatever he is. Yeah. Gotta love it. Gotta so, love it.
0: So the script that they had called for him becoming a full animatronic T Rex. Mm. But obviously they went way, way, way over budget. So they're like, nope. Figure out something else. Love so the that's 90s why morphing though it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they put him in. I don't even remember. It was like basically a bucket. It was basically like he was a puppet. Like there's
1: yeah.
2: a puppeteer yeah. underneath them. Yeah, and... which was
1: actually smart because we early on in the movie we established the swinging bucket things where they travel through. So I mean we we knew we would end up there again.
0: So Plus that the bucket looked like something that Bowser was riding in in Super Mario World. It would have been cool to see him fill out T Rex because I mean that's what I wanted to see as <laughs> Why a kid. Not? <laughs> yeah. I wanna see that as an adult. <laughs> but it didn't work out. They had no money, they blew it all. We get them travelling so Lena tries to put the meteorite into or tries to put the shard in the meteorite to merge the worlds and, and impress King Koopa doesn't work. She gets fried like three stooges style.
1: Which leads to the best line in the movie where, like, because, like, Guzamo sells it where he goes, oh, she made quite the impression. But he sells it (laughs) so nonchalant that, like, I laughed out loud. Again, I always forget it's coming, and then it happens, and he says it with such, like, it's probably because he was either stoned or drunk. No, he's literally drunk in the scene. He's throwing it out in such a way that it's hysterical, like, nails that punchline. Works so well.
0: Only Daisy can do it because she's royalty. Why does that give her that power? Who gives a Um, It just does. It's movie stuff. Yeah. It's typical movie stuff. So it starts to morph the worlds, and uh, we get Bowser and Mario who go to the dig site. And this is another part. And this, like, as an adult, as a kid, I didn't care, but as an adult, two Goombas and Bowser, King Koopa, damn it, get shipped to the world with Mario. And then... King Koopa blasts one of the Scapelli's. The main Scapelli. With, with a Super Scope 6, which they call the Devolve Gun or Deevolution evolution gun, and he turns into a chimpanzee. <laughs> Dennis Hopper goes, Huh, monkey!
2: Gimme that Divo gun! why <laughs> again? What is this? Blood. <laughs> monkey!
0: And you've seen that meme. Yeah. You've seen that clip. Yeah. Everyone, you have to have seen that. But what always got me about it was no one in the world freaks out. They're no. just like, huh? There's Goombas
1: there. Yeah. He turns a dude into a monkey, and everybody's like, a monkey.
0: <laughs> I'm like, what? What? No. What? Everyone, why are you flipping out? And then later on at the end of the movie, they show the clip of it really quick, where he he does that, and everyone's just like, and the Super Mario Brothers are heroes.
1: Yeah. what the f***? Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's just fine with the fact that there's another dimension, there was a guy, the evil guy from another dimension, with dinosaur people, humans that come with him. Oh my
0: god, I just thought about this. This movie's like Howard the Duck.
1: This movie is exactly like Howard the Duck.
0: Well, it's because ex- no one flips out about a walking, talking duck.
1: If you just think about, like, the beats, too, of, like, the movie, it's pretty much the same as Howard the Duck. The alternate dimensions, all this stuff, sort of like the grand finale is very Howard the Duck as well. You don't have, you know, Jeffrey Jones turning into, like, the, monster, the full-on monster he becomes, but, like, it's ve- the showdown is pretty much the same as Howard the Duck. It's very
0: similar movies. What I hear about Jeffrey is he's a lovely man. Never had anything bad happen ask, in his past. Ask the kids. Ugh. Ugh, gross. We'll cut that. <laughs> not, not really. Now that I just it blew my mind with the Howard the Duck. So I love Howard the Duck. Some people give me shit about it. So I'm assuming Howard the Duck is for me what Super Mario Brothers is for you. You grew up with it as a little kid. You accept it. And I never, I never read the Howard the Duck comic books. Right. So to me, I was like, I don't give a
1: Yeah. No, it is. And I mean, I also love Howard the Duck. But I saw Howard the Duck, though, later in life. I saw it as like a teenager and was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, but like I grew up with Super Mario Brothers.
0: You knew you were a weird kid when you went to school and you're like, I love Howard the Duck. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was that kid, but I think that's actually why people liked me. It was weird. Anyway,
0: (laughs) he's charming because I'm afraid of him. (laughs) (laughs) Right,
1: and it worked for me throughout school.
0: (laughs) Yeah, King Koopa loses. Mario Brothers are heroes. But the one thing I do want to point out is, so when Daisy and Luigi are saying goodbye to each other, what always got me is like, why aren't you just staying, Luigi? You're like, it's keeping. Yeah, what?
1: His brother. He loves his brother. He but he never him. says that. Like, yeah, but you know. That's why he's
0: going back. But, but the dimensions are right by each other. I mean, yeah,
1: they could just go and see each other like all the time, though.
0: Well, it's not option. a big deal. Mario yeah. should be like, uh, you know, just stay. I got this whole plumbing business.
1: Or like, or like, if you're going to come with me, just come and see her over the weekend. You, you'll be free Saturday. Go see her then. You know. Like, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's really easy
0: to cross the dimensions. Because Luigi could stay there and help well, he would probably be royalty because they yeah. would get married. Right. Instead, you go back home to be like a celebrity plumber, plumber, which you know that shit ain't working for a long time. Be right. Like, That's 15 yeah. minutes of fame for sure. Plus, Luigi's losing him business anyway because he just hangs up on voicemails of people desperately needing help. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Luigi <laughs> isn't really the best business person. And he doesn't even know shit about plumbing. No. He's the apprentice. He's learning. <laughs> and he's uh, doing a terrible job but what i i do love like the dramatic we can't be together i've got to stay here and rebuild the world and you've got brooklyn to go back to you've got your brother to take care of whatever and then like that amazing 90s ending of yep. we've got work to do i'm coming back from the world and this you won't believe the craziness that's happening back there and i are like let's go suit up like I was waiting for them to Men in Black kick the door open and <laughs> like kick the M open or something like very.
0: This had to be in it's somewhere Oh man, no, this, is, I mean, this um, is totally Back to the Future the very Yeah, the, Ed, Back where to the Future. Doc Brown comes back with the whole. Yeah, you know like. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Yeah. So they, yeah. they thought they had something here. Right.
1: I love these 90s. And I love them so 80s, 90s endings. I love them so much. And then we get that amazing, amazing rock set
0: theme song at the end, almost unreal. And we um, haven't even talked really enough about this soundtrack because we open at some point with Walk the Dinosaur.
1: Right. The uh, club scene.
0: With strippers,
1: yeah. is not the original, Get it all on the floor. not the original, was not was version of Walk the Dinosaur, but George Clinton, like the 70s funk icon, George Clinton du- doing a cover that is Super Mario Brothers the movie based because there are lines about uh, Goombas and things
0: in it. <laughs> like, and what? There's, <laughs> I don't know how they talked him into this, but I've heard rumors that he played the video game. So he's like, yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, no, and it's a, the, there's a really hard to find, but you can find it if you dig deep enough in the internet. Uh, there's a music video oh, yeah. for this. Oh, I found it. That is amazing. And you could just tell George Clinton loves this shit. I'm like,
0: posting it the day before this comes <laughs> out, because I'm like, I f- love love, I know there's funk people who probably are like, this is outrageous. This is George selling out. But first of all, no one says no to Disney money. Right, True. And two, yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> it's walk the dinosaur. It's so fun. Uh, that
1: and that. By the way, also that Roxette song, almost unreal, is incredibly hard to find uh, really. as well. Like to find like a. Uh, it may be different now. Now that you know Spotify and shit like that, but, but pre-Spotify, early internet music, post Napster, I guess I should say post Napster, pre-Spotify, very hard to find this song. I spent countless hours trying to find it, but probably nowadays you could just one click on Spotify and it pops up, but like, fun little ender, and then of course we get the post credit stinger with the cousins, Koopa Cousins.
0: Yeah, which I assume those two Japanese men were supposed to be from Nintendo. Right. That sucks that they couldn't actually get Nintendo executives. (laughs) They're like, we're going to make a video game about you guys. And then the Super
1: Koopa cousins, and then that's then they're like, mm? and then eh. yeah.
0: I, I doubt Miyamoto was gonna come from Japan like, <laughs> to do this yeah. cameo. Yeah, let's get into the behind the scenes.
2: You know what I love about mud? It's clean and it's dirty at the same time.
0: <laughs> let's do this.
1: Yeah. So there's there's a lot to talk about here.
0: With the behind the scenes the first thing i'm going to tell you is a story about how this all came about so roland joffrey which was the producer for light motive he basically ran light motive productions he talked to the american uh, nintendo president and he was very interested in doing the adaptation of this well so were a lot of people number one disney number two new line New Line really wanted this. And this seems like a New Line movie. This is a New Line movie. (laughs) This feels like a New Line movie. So, we had several production studios wanting this. So, what happened was he was willing to go to Japan and wait. And he did. He waited in a hotel for 10 days before Miyamoto saw him. And he went up, he saw Miyamoto, and Miyamoto was like, Well, one, why? Why you? And his answer was, I'm here.
1: (laughs) I came here, yeah.
0: So he told him he would give Nintendo a lot of creative rights to this, which is something that still doesn't happen today. Typically, when you buy over the rights for the movies, big studios are going to say you don't get creative control, and you certainly don't get Final Cut. Now, Nintendo didn't get Final Cut, but they were promised creative control, which I understood.
1: And they also got back-end which I don't think yeah. anybody else was offering them because no. he said I only have like what was it it was 500,000, right? He
0: only they only bought the rights for this for 2 million.
1: Yeah. So he originally came to them with Disney 500. Disney was
0: offering 10.
1: Yeah. He only came to them with 500,000 originally. And he pro- he basically yeah. yeah, promised them this creative control and back end, which back end is basically like you get paid what the movie makes. Mm-hmm. And when you buy a property you tend to buy the property so that you could make the money. No. You spend the money to make the money. He also he got... was like, I'm not going to spend very much, but I will give you back in it. They were like, oh, shit, like, we can
0: make a lot of money on this. Well, that's how Roland Joffrey actually got this, and then they went into normal production of finding a script, finding locations. Most of the things went completely fine after that. It was when production started that this turned into a f***ing nightmare. Now, I can't remember the initial directors that were hired
1: there was an initial director who joffie brought in yeah uh who just dropped out yes. i don't think
0: it was much drama with it i just now, think he dropped out it it had to do with scheduling yeah that's what i heard yeah so they had a director and they had a script and almost all of these actors signed on from that director and that script
1: right and the, the frame of that script the frame mm-hmm. is what this remained the same the frame of that original yeah. script is what we ended up with as a frame, but not so much
0: the meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be a $20 million movie yeah. that then got turned up to 26, 28. He started to get more investors. So this started to pick up steam until he hired Morton and Jangle. And they basically... This is not what we're envisioning. Here's our envision. And and to Roland Joffrey's fault, he's like, Okay, I'm gonna allow you guys to have more creative control. Now Roland Joffrey is known as a hands off producer because he's an excellent spotter of talent.
1: And he's also he's also a very you know, famous director
0: himself. So he, oh, yeah, he, he knows, knows how he yeah. wants
1: to work, so he stays off of other people's that, stuff. Good
0: point. That's probably why he is a hands-off producer. Because he's a director first. Yes. So he's that's why he can be a hands-off producer. The actual budget of this ballooned. It went from whatever it was. It ended up costing, I think, Disney and Light Motive and all these, about $48 million. Yeah. And this movie would have fell apart without Disney. Disney right. came in later. Save the day. Save the day. The shooting schedule on this was set for six weeks. It ended up being, according to Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo's book, seventeen-week shooting schedule.
2: Yeah,
1: I've heard. I've heard ten is what it went to, but I
0: mean, if that's what their biographies well,
1: say too, like, yeah,
0: I, I believe that also. So it's the reshoots. So maybe Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo are counting from day one all the way to the end of reshoots. It could have been just a total of ten weeks. And actors are known to be a little, yeah. you know,
2: dramatic. <laughs>
0: So maybe, but either way, this went way over shooting schedule. Yeah. So they shot most of this in North Carolina in an abandoned uh, cement factory, and they shot a, a, another portion of it, I believe, in an abandoned mall. And if you look through when they're walking through the streets and you see, like, the Mad Max electric vehicles, which, by the way, whoever came up with electricity running the vehicles because dinosaurs didn't die and they had oil, kudos to you, <laughs> small golf clap. That was clever. Yeah. Yeah. And something I did not pick up until I read about this movie. Yeah. So. It's smart.
1: And it, and it looks cool. Yeah. Also, like electric cars, like with the wires sticking yeah. up and sparks. Sparks make everything better. They it, knew it would look good on film.
0: True. So, Bob Hoskins is just a notorious, awesome quote, man of this movie. One, he used to call the directors cunts to their face yeah. on set. Yeah. Which, isn't it amazing that British people get away with calling people cunts? If you do that in this country, you are... You've crossed a line. Yeah.
1: You know, I would never call yeah. a woman a cunt. But calling a dude a cunt is really satisfying. Because it's kind of demeaning to them. And, like, if you really want to, like, hurt them.
0: I would a call one. a man wearing white pants a cunt. Just because he's wearing white I just, I don't like men in white pants. Oh, okay. Well, I know that now about you, and I'm only going to show up to this
1: podcast in white pants now.
0: Damn you! <laughs> only two Only 2% of men in this world can get away with white pants. And 1% of that is Matt Stork. <laughs> the other 1% is The Rock. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. Me and The Rock have a
0: lot of similarities,
1: actually. <laughs> if you guys could see me, you know, you only hear my voice. I am The Rock. I look like The Rock. <laughs>
0: Accurate. <laughs> so the quotes on, anyway, wow. Uh, the quotes on this Bob Hoskins has one of the greatest I've ever heard. The worst thing I ever did, Super Mario Brothers. It was a fucking nightmare. The whole experience was a nightmare. It had a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent. After so many weeks, their own agent told them to get off the set. Fucking nightmare,
2: fucking idiots.
0: <laughs> Oh <laughs> um, uh, But he gives a great
1: performance in the movie still. He still
0: brings it. So we had Dennis Hopper. He's got another great one. I made a picture called Super... This is uh, pretending they asked him, what's your biggest regret? He goes, I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers. And my six-year-old son at the time, he's now 18, he said, Dad, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play that terrible guy King Koopa in Super Mario Brothers? Well, I told him. Well, Henry... I did that so you could have shoes, and Henry said, "Dad, I don't need shoes that badly." <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, and John Legazamo's famous quote is, "At least I got an action figure out of it." Yep. Uh, his, by the way, I, I read his the chapter on this in his bio. Man, he really spills the beans. Very gossipy. Because he even says in some of it, this might not be true, but then tells it like it's true. Right, right. I love it.
1: Yeah, I love, he's a great storyteller. I love his one-man shows. They're oh, incredible. Oh, amazing.
0: I, was he ever stand-up, or is he just a one-man show that's I that funny?
1: He, yeah, I don't think he was like stand-up brought up. I think he's just telling stories about, he's a great writer is what he is. So he could tell, he could write these one-man shows.
0: Is there anything John Leguizamo can't do? I, don't, I think he's perfect. I just think he's perfect. Him and The Rock, they're perfect. <laughs> and me. Okay, John Leguizamo can wear white pants. Oh, yeah, he's okay. Yeah, yeah for that's sure. fine. Yeah. For sure. Famous faces in this that almost were. Dustin Hoffman wanted to play Mario, but the studio didn't want him. Well, he turned out to be a piece of shit, so, you yeah, know. Yeah, but at no the time, there. he was coming off hook.
1: But... Also, which was like a
0: $250 million movie.
1: One of the early uh, screenplays was written by the Rain Man writers, also. And the original script was like a. If he was Mario, would have been a reverse Rain Man for him because Luigi was more of a Rain Man part. And it was a road movie. It was like a road movie of them, of Mario and Luigi going on a trip and like. Luigi was kind of the a death Savant race or whatever, yeah. and like it was all about them bonding over this trip
0: or whatever. Yeah, that's the Mad Max script.
1: I bet that's the one Dustin Hoffman wanted to get attached to
0: because it was the Rain Man writers. I still love how the studio is like, no, <laughs> Rain Man, Hook, no, nope. nope. <laughs> uh, we also had Danny DeVito. Uh, they wanted him to be part of this script and he was coming off Batman Returns and a bunch of other things. He was incredible. He would have been a great Mario in my opinion. But here's the problem. He wanted to read a complete script and they're like, oh, we don't have that. And he's like, well, nope. Yeah. Well, he yeah, It's also a great loss too because
1: he's also a fantastic director. And I think his dark eye would have actually been really fun for kind of how the script turned out where it was mm-hmm. kind of post-apocalyptic and dark. would have been fun to see him direct this too because of his sort of twisted vision of the world
0: uh tom hanks was scheduled to play luigi he had an oral agreement it was going to happen but light motive kind of got cold feet investors basically got cold feet because they're like you know he was great and big and everything but the burbs and joe versus the volcano actually didn't do very well so he's kind of at a cold streak but man, am I happy he turned this down?
1: Because then he went on to win the Oscar. And he he went on.
0: He went on to do Philadelphia, and then Forrest Gump. Yeah, back to back.
1: After, instead of doing this, it's insane. Like, right, and, and Tom close? Hanks was.
0: He was in a world agreement. He was like, I was he down was, uh, to do this. He on
1: this for a long time. He yeah. would have
0: not had Philadelphia yeah, if exactly. he would have done this.
1: Exactly. And to history would be completely different. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. And then many people were to play Koopa. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger, which he immediately turned flat down. He just didn't think it was for him. Uh, Michael Keaton. Now, Michael Keaton was very much interested in this. And this was late. They took a uh, while to find King Koopa. Dennis Hopper didn't come on until like a week, a couple weeks before shooting started. So they had principal photography done, and they didn't have a, a Koopa. Uh which is nuts. This is kind of this reminds me of Lady Bird. I mean, not Lady Bird, <laughs> Lady Hawk. Yeah. What's his name? Rooker came in, came yeah, in Rooker last... came in in the last second. Yeah. So Arnold Schwarzenegger flat out said no. Michael Keaton was extremely interested. And it just didn't work out money wise. Yeah.
1: I mean, Batman, for Christ's sake.
0: And then uh, Christopher Walken and Tim Curry. Now, Tim Curry, I don't think Christopher Walken, honestly, was a choice. I just think he was a hot name.
1: Well, also, he already played the Donald Trump character in Batman Returns the year before. He already did
0: that. Yeah. But Tim Curry was very interested in this. And the only reason he did not do it was scheduling. So, yeah, this seems. Yeah. This actually
1: seems something that would be right in Tim Curry's early '90s wheelhouse. Like I I could see him in this movie for sure. But I mean, he was coming
0: off Home Alone too. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been one of those things. I actually think this would have made him, if this is possible, more popular. Oh, yeah, doing this. Yeah, I
1: think, and I think maybe the the role would have stood out a little bit more for people. I mean, I think Dennis Hopper does a great job, but like I think if Tim Curry was in
0: it, it would have shined a little bit more. Uh, all the people that I listed here. In this type of script, I can only see Tim Curry and Dennis Hopper doing it. The, like, over-the-top, cartoony, yeah, Donald sure. Trumpish, like, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it, when uh, I was reading, there's a, there's a great article, and I, de- I definitely recommend you guys, if you're interested in this and you're still listening to this at this point, um, <laughs> there's a great article on The Guardian that just came out in March, and we're airing this in April of 2018. So in March of 2018, they wrote a pretty extensive piece just about the background of the movie, and they, they mentioned actually that Schwarzenegger was, when he was being talked to and he was trying to be seduced into this, at that point it was still Bowser and he was going to play Bowser as in like really? the turtle thing, whatever Bowser is. Um, I don't know. I it. Well, he yeah, but, he's a turtle. Yeah, know, yeah, but like Arnold was actually a little more hesitant because of
0: playing a giant turtle. <laughs> now, see, I I thought Arnold had really... I just thought he was a hot name and just said he just, like, I'm not going to do this. No, I think he didn't want to play a turtle. Because <laughs> he was still... It was still Bowser at the time in the script. All right, fair enough. So let's get into the scripts of this, because this is famous, and we'll try to go through this fast. So the first script, which sold almost every actor here, was called the original fantasy script. It was written by Jim... Um, Genevan... The I, I, Genovine? Genovine? Yeah, it, it's pronounced a way that you can, it doesn't look... Anyway, and Tom Parker did it. And this was the whole thing, the Alice in Wonderland mm. or Wizard of Oz type script. This is... You get all the fantasy elements from this. This is where Luigi is a dreamer and, and Mario is kind of cynical. I, I mean, like you said, a lot of the framework is from this script. Yes. But then they were fired because... The director left. The director left, and new directors came in. So then they started the whole, like, super sci-fi pitches. And we had the ones done by Parker Bennett and Terry
1: Munte, Who are the credited writers, along with yeah. Solomon.
0: Now, they never really wrote anything funny. They more focused on the relationship of Mario and Luigi. And they wanted to make it the post-apocalyptic film that we have. Mm -hmm. So that's where we got this kind of concept from it. But the problem was, they focused on Mario being a prophet. Yeah. And that's just... It didn't work. Even with the directors, they're like, ah, we don't like this. So, you know, they did another draft, Draft 2, which worked out much better. Heavily inspired genre that was from Ghostbusters. But they're like, we can't make Mario sleazy. Right. And apparently... Yeah, apparently they named their business Leakbusters. <laughs> nice. I don't think that's going to work. That, that might get you sued. Yeah. So that didn't work out. And then they brought in Dick Clement and Ian LaFerres. Dick Clement is a British screenwriter that's done a lot. So he brought in the whole action movie kind of vision. And at one point, he actually had Bruce Willis cameoing in it in Koopa's Tower. In the Air ducts, of course. But apparently everyone was like, I don't think this works. Like, the whole, it's it was too. too stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and it was too action-filled. They're like, yeah. this is. Apparently, Dick Clement wrote a rated R film. Nice. <laughs> nice. That wasn't going to work. So then we had the famous Mad Max one, which Dick Clement also wrote. These two writers wrote. And this one was more gritty, action-packed, but. PG-13 action pack, so they could keep a lot of it. And he introduced the Mad Max races Mm. in the desert world. Yeah. Now... I
1: I wonder if this is probably the Rain Man one because they said it's a road movie, so I'm assuming this is Well, did Dick Clement write Rain Man?
2: I don't know. Or is it this
1: other, right is it Ian? Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. I don't know off the top of my head. And I don't know either. Know, I, only, I only do so much research, and then I'm like, mm, Well,
0: <laughs> and this is where Ed Solomon came in, and Ryan Rowe, I don't know who that is, but yeah. Ed Solomon came in, the famous doctor, the man that knows what he's doing. He's the one who wrote it and put more of the child aspect into it. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, apparently producers are like, we can't do this! Yeah, it's too rough. This it's is too, too hard, dark. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this new script was written without the director's permission or knowledge. Mm-hmm. So this started the huge rift. Yeah. This is when the production started to go... To- had, wrote the last one, which is basically the movie have. It's called The Rainbow Script because it had so many countless revisions. Yeah, basically when
1: you have a revision in a in a script... Or you have a new version of a script or new pages. The pages change colors, yeah. but the joke was that it was rainbow because everything was being pulled from every other script. Yes. So it was all different colors. You know, if you're a film nerd, it's kind of a funny
0: little... Yeah, it's it's funny how this is famously called that. Now, can I don't have this in my notes, but can we talk about for a second dino craziness of the late 80s, early 90s? It's the best. Yes. And we might dedicate a whole month to it. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but a little, little teaser for things I, to come, maybe? I, I think it's funny because did Dinosaurs, the TV show from ABC, Disney, did they start this? I don't think so.
1: But, but it that was, was about, one of the first. Yeah, that was like
0: 1990, right?
1: Yeah, that was uh, 89, 90, somewhere yeah. in there. It was one of the first things, but there definitely was a tangible dinomania that was happening at the
0: time. Well, do you remember the... Um, oh, I forget the production company that did the California Raisins, but they did a dinosaur claymation mm-hmm. where it was, like, the difference between meat eaters and veggie eaters. Yeah. And you can go on YouTube and watch that. I can't remember. I think it's called Dinosaur with an exclamation point and then, like, a subtitle.
2: Yeah. They may good.
0: have started it, too. I, I don't know, but somewhere this exploded because then we got the Prehistoria's... Yeah, we got obviously Jurassic Park, which is the monster of it. But when were all the re-releases of the VHS of Godzilla?
1: That was that was it was before the remake. But I don't think it was at this time. No, yet. when
0: that's this time, okay? Because
1: there was sort of that revival in '85 when Godzilla '85 yeah, came out. Yeah. But I don't think that was the thing that kicked in the door yet. I think, and I think the re-releases actually came about because of all this. I think the I think it was like ninety three, ninety four those started okay. coming back up. Right. So I don't I don't unless it was unless it was still riding the wave of Godzilla eighty five, I don't know where this
0: started. And it was everywhere. We had Dino the Last Dinosaur. Oh. That show's still if you it's still on like Syndication oh. Now. Oh my god. It's so bad. It's so bad. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the theme
1: is amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, do I leave it on sometimes when
0: I catch it on? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dino, the last dinosaur. And I freaking love it. And it's funny. I think Dino and the Di- Last Dinosaur came out like the beginning of the 90s, but it feels like the most 90s cartoon ever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It was. Yeah. It might have even been '89 too, like around yeah, the same time as dinosaurs. Like Do was... you remember
0: like uh, Dino Saucers? I don't know when this came out. This had to be late '80s. What this is, is this? where it was basically dinosaurs that were humanoid in suits, kind of like oh, I don't know. They were like just in power in Dinosaur suits, city type thing. Oh, Adventures <laughs> in Dinosaur City! I forgot. Yeah. That's amazing. Um,
1: yeah. There was there was all kinds of stuff
0: like that. When did the Whoopi Goldberg movie come out? With the like ninety. That, that was, was that was
1: still before Jurassic Park. Also, it was like ninety two. Was it? Was it like ninety two? I, I don't like remember. I think that was...
0: was New Line, right? Where it was like yeah. the famous yeah. like they sued her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. That was, we need to. Do we that need one. to cover that.
1: Yeah, like that movie, and then Spielberg was still doing it when he did we We're Back. Uh, oh, We're
0: Back a dinosaur story. Oh yeah. my gosh, Land Before Time. Land Before
1: Time was part of this whole thing. There were so many dinosaurs everywhere.
0: (laughs) Man, I grew up wanting to be a dinosaur, uh, (laughs) a dinosaur hunter or like someone who, you know, I I wanted to find their bones.
1: Yeah. I mean, every kid, every kid was obsessed with dinosaurs at this time. Well,
0: my grandma told me that the government pays people to bury dinosaur bones. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she she was a Jehovah's Witness. So, I mean, eh, well, makes sense. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> everyone um, in my family who doesn't know that just found it out thanks wow. for listening wow <laughs> um yeah
1: dinosaur craze was all all the rage okay. the early 90s for sure
0: did you have any of these toys
2: hey kids i'm here to tell you about two extremely famous plumber's mario mario and luigi mario from the super mario
1: Brothers
0: movie you want to know we we'll makes make some super Cause they triumph over the evil Koopa and his brain sidekicks Iggy and Spike, using only their plumbing tools, and they battle the Goombas. Koopa's hideous, giant human army. Those Goombas are scary. The Super Mario Brothers action figures from Turtle, but don't
2: worry, they're not real.
1: No, I did not have any of these toys, which is actually shocking because I so bought into the toys of like I had the I had Demolition Man toys. Like I mean, I had like those toys, so it's actually shocking that I didn't get in on these. But I like I these toys were so popular, I saw these toys still on the shelves when there were KB Toys and Toys R Us still around everywhere. Um, rest rest in peace. Yeah, KB's coming back though. When there were toy stores all around, the these toys lasted like and not in like not like in a bargain bin sort of way, but were still on the shelves in the early two thousands. Like, the very early 2000s. But they lasted for, like, 10 years on the shelves.
0: Anything that had Mario on it was going to last.
1: Yeah, and they... So, I didn't have them. But I remember seeing them for 10 years every time I would walk into the toy
0: store. I do not remember those toys at all. I remember the RoboCop toys, which got pulled from the shelf.
1: I I wonder if those are worth money. I have them.
0: So, anyway, uh, Matt and I suffered through the Super Mario Brothers Super (laughs) Show. One episode. I watched two, actually. But... You're I watched man the than I. I watched the first one Birdo 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 I don't know whatever Toad gets captured by Birdie. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a heap of
1: garbage that was! Wow.
0: I, I tell you what, the theme song is great. The like rap.
2: Hey, Paisanos! It's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. We're with the Mario Brothers and Plumbins, again. we're not like the others who get all the fame in trouble. You can call us on the double. We're faster than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. Uh. Hooked on the brothers. Yo, you're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure and remarkable feats. You'll meet Coopers and Troopers
1: I don't, is that Run DMC.
0: I don't know. Uh, it sounds it sounds like Run DMC. If it's not Run DMC, it is like great uh, job impersonating. Like, yeah, <laughs> like basically just like where do you get the doppelganger of Run DMC? I don't. I
2: don't know. Yeah.
1: The the theme song is great, but if you've never heard of this or never seen this. What they do is they have a live-action wraparound with a studio audience mm-hmm. that wraps around a mini cartoon, like a 15-minute cartoon, and then they fill out the rest of the 20-minute runtime with a wraparound with live-action actors on a stage. Yeah, and uh, they brought in for the first episode Nicole Eggert from she wasn't even on Baywatch yet.
0: No, she was, on, uh, hanging, she was on. Hanging. She was Charles in Charge. Okay, Charles in Charge. Babe, damn. I mean, she always. Oh yeah, good, but yeah. Damn, yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> That is an easy Steve uh, young man crush. Yeah, yeah. Damn,
1: beautiful. But anyway, she's like a guest in this. She first was episode. thirteen
0: year creep. No,
1: I don't know how old she was. <laughs> I, thought she, I thought she was already like Baywatch HR. Yeah,
0: she but. was probably eighteen there. Yeah, but I mean, either way, she was a pretty young girl, and man, she was a super babe on Baywatch. Yeah, for sure. I was, yeah. more,
1: I was a more Nicole than Pam Anderson, for sure. I like You mean cu- normal boobs? I, well, I like the cute, attainable, yeah. like, girl-next-door girl. That's always been my type. So the Pam Anderson supermodel type, I was like, eh. Well, yeah, eh.
0: standing next to Pam Anderson, I guess she could be the girl-next-door look. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. So this show's
1: god-awful,
0: though. It's it, bad. It it's
1: bad. is It is an obvious cash-in, uh, worse so than this movie. And I think
0: it lasted two or three seasons.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean... In the 80s, you could sell anything to kids. You could jam any marketing consumerism down. Yeah, I I mean,
0: honestly, this probably cruised in the last season alone because of that sweet theme. Yeah. Plus, they did something. This is the second episode I watched. uh, Every Friday, because I remember the show. Every Friday, they would release a Zelda episode. Mm. And the Zelda episode has the famous meme of, Well, excuse me, from Mm. Link. Mm. And, yeah. So... I kind of liked the Zelda episode. I mean, it had a lot of the actual characters. Someone clearly watched the show, the animators. But the the dialogue is awful. Two stoners? Two 13-year-old stoners could probably write better dialogue. That's how bad the dialogue was. But the characters and the animation, I kind of dug. But then again, I just watched the Super Mario Bros. Super show, so anything compared to that was good. (laughs) So, I don't know. reclaim my property from you that belongs in a museum so do you matt let's do it our thing let's put something in the museum every week we got to find something good or something bad to learn from what do you got probably pretty obvious at this point i am going to say the animatronic
1: effects but i'm not going to say yoshi i'm going to put the goombas in there because they are both am- they're both amazing effects but they're also adorable and they're so iconic to me in my head i can't think of the movie without thinking of the goombas i love the elevator scene i i think toad is one of my favorite cinematic characters just in terms of like i just want to hug him the whole time so i'm going to put the effects work on the goombas in the museum as sort of something that's i want to remember this movie by that i love it by i'm not putting in a lump of coal this week to learn from it's only positive for me, the Goombas.
0: Yeah, I'm going to override you a little bit. I'm going to put Yoshi right next to it. Now I'm not going to override your vote, but I'm just going to throw them both up there. They yeah. both deserve to be up there. But I'm going to put a lump of coal in this because read your <laughs> source material, you jackasses. <laughs> Never. Now, source material. Use the name. Get now, the money. <laughs> I will. I will tell you as we go into the suggestions, this is a movie I hated in the 90s hated it and I refused to revisit it I tell you what this movie I don't hate anymore. Now I hate the movie but I love the conversations if there's one thing that this movie makes is magnificent conversations Yeah, from everyone I
1: have to say if you come across this tape in the wild definitely pick it up especially if you find the demo tape super rare do it pick it up there's so much, yeah, to take apart, show your friends, get in an argument, like <laughs> you yeah. will find that one friend that loves this and you will find the one friend that hates this, pop it on at a party and just watch what happens, like absolutely yeah. pick this up.
0: If you're a nineties kid, there you cannot find a Eh, shoulder-shrug opinion about this. Yeah. It doesn't exist. It's extreme. And you either extreme. love it or you hate it. And it's dripping with 90s nostalgia. It's, it's... stuff you
1: only saw in those early 90s movies.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to call this the first 90s movie, but I think Wizard is my first 90s movie. Mm. That is dripping with 90s. And that was like 91. Yeah. That's all I can think of right now. Maybe there's something before that. But anyway, this is the first... 90s movie that comes to mind, like the early 90s, because to me this feels like 1991.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is it's like this Batman Returns, uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. These are the movies that I think of when I yeah. think of like the early
0: 90s. So it's it's definitely part of the grandfathering of the early 90s movies. Yes, it's it's the beginning. It's, it's what started the trends. Yes, and that did not let up until I'd say Tomb Raider 2. Yeah, well,
1: maybe Tomb Raider.
0: Tomb Raider feels... Or maybe Dracula 2000. Oh, God. <laughs>
1: I'd I'd say uh, Tomb Raider 1, honestly, might be the end of this era of filmmaking. Yeah.
0: I tell you what killed 90s movies, 9-11.
1: Yes, that's, and that's when
0: Tomb Raider came out. It that's is, why I think it's the yeah. last one. It, everything it after everything. that, the lightheartedness was gone.
1: But if there's a silver lining to 9-11... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> the horror
1: movies were great at the time because we were afraid. So the horror movies yeah. were amazing. Um,
0: Until everyone's just like, let's be hostile.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, once the ripoffs of yeah. the good stuff started coming out, that's what effectively then killed the genre and made us have six paranormal activity movies. <laughs> um, yeah. What kind of yeah. slowed us down for a while. Yeah, I mean, after 9 11 killed this type of movie. Mm-hmm. No then, doubt, no and, I, doubt. and then it started a horror trend, but uh, that's a conversation for another day. This is one of the first. It's gonna be our coffee table
0: book that we write. <laughs> I'm kidding. We can't write. Old oh, Matt can, but I can't. It's questionable if I can. <laughs> I do, but I don't know if I can. Anyway, let's go to what we watched. Uh, we wanted to talk about this last week, but we get to this week. Let's talk about Ritual. Let's keep it thirty seconds a piece. Matt, what'd you think about Ritual?
1: I liked it. I didn't love it. It was actually, I liked more of the human stuff. Once we got into the third act, it slowed down for me.
0: Yes. First act, second act, I was like, wow, this is a total cookie cutter, lame ass horror movie. And then the third act, I go, there's the weirdness. Thank you. Do I love it? No, because I don't think I'll really rewatch this. But if I had a conversation with someone, I will tell them I liked it. Yeah,
1: I liked it, but we're reversed. I liked the human stuff more, the weird stuff I Ford just felt
0: little. like everything was cookie cutter. You know, you had... I, I like them, though. I, I like t- them. I like I, the actors. I tell you... Oh, yeah. I tell you what, the beginning where the guy uh, dies, his friend, and mm. the other guy, like, cowers in the corner. Talk about real. Yeah. I mean, wow. Well, good how, job. How people really react to that. Yeah. yeah well, it, it's just when they got to the woods and they're just walking around, I was like... Okay, I've seen this, and yeah. I, you know what I thought? I was like, "Oh God, another like walking through the woods movie." I was like, "This movie has too big of a budget to be a walking through the woods movie." And then you see the CG creature, and you're like, "Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there's
1: a real yeah. money
0: line." Yeah, yeah I, it's I, a maybe. fine monster movie. It's fine. Okay, next week we are moving on to a theater movie, another and, monster movie. Yes, no kidding, and another Nintendo. Yeah, we have Rampage. Yes, starring The Rock. God, it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> he's wearing white
2: pants. Pon- <laughs> I think he got white pants. White pants the whole movie. movie. <laughs> uh,
1: I am very excited. Once again, this is our 420 episode. I am going to go see this movie stoned so I get the full experience. <laughs>
0: it's it's funny. Sarah's like, "Are you going to watch the movie Stone and podcast Stone?" And I'm like, Sweetie, I'm not gonna get stoned. I will fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna make it through to it I am Wait. a terrible stoner. My dream before I left the college was to be a stoner, and then I hit was hit with a harsh reality of like, yeah, dude, you 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 can't stay awake at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm 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 not I'm not a stoner. I mean, I obviously partake i'm not a stoner so when i do it it hits me pretty hard so i think this movie is going to be awesome
0: (laughs) (laughs) well come back next week after you listen to this movie or you listen to this podcast all week because we've gone long yes this
1: this episode takes you right into the point where we release the next one so (laughs) 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 all
0: right thank you for watching you can rate and review us on itunes listen to us on podbean and youtube Come back next week and remember to be kind and rewind.